scanning. Identity authorized. Welcome to the Secret Superhero Club Podcast Network. On today's episode of the ASP, I sit down with voice actor Christopher Waycamp to discuss his career, sci-fi, Macross, Gundam, mech shows, pretty much everything. Welcome everybody to the Animation Station Podcast, episode 95. My name is Josh, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, Mr. Christopher Waycamp. How you doing, Chris? Hey, Josh. How are you? I'm very happy to be here. Awesome. Now, um, real quick, Chris, uh, just give our audience members just a little brief glimpse into who is Chris. Yes. So, um, yeah, as you said, my name is Christopher Waycamp. I am a uh, voice actor, um, uh, voiceover and, and voice actor um, artist, I suppose. I do a lot of work with Funimation Studios, um, and uh, I've done some work with uh, uh, Sentai Filmworks as well. Um, Ocratron, uh, and some, and some video game companies as well. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm a voice actor. That's kind of a main thing. And, uh, and yeah, I get to do all kinds of cool voices in, in anime and, uh, video games and, and cool stuff like that. Awesome. Now, were you a big fan of animation growing up? Yes. So I grew up in kind of the North Texas area here and, uh, so I've been in I've been in the Metroplex for a while, and uh, uh, but when I was little, I really enjoyed watching uh, cartoons, like especially Saturday morning cartoons, and I was really into uh, He Man and GI Joe and that mm-hmm, stuff. Yeah. But uh, my mind was totally blown. I was like seven years old, and I saw this cartoon called Star Blazers, and it was done in a style I'd, I was not familiar with at all, and uh, and it just really something about it really spoke to me. Uh, and then once I started really getting into it, and I realized that it was kind of unlike any cartoon I'd ever seen before, because it had adult situations happening in these characters' lives that was kind of like way more than my seven-year-old. Than what we have yeah. in the American oh, at yeah. the time, yeah. People were—I mean, people were the characters were dying, you know, left and right. Whereas if you watch, you know, a GI Joe cartoon, everybody's shooting lasers and no one's ever getting hit. And, you know, yeah, very... every, everybody jumps out of like the exploding vehicle yeah. right at the last second. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's no it's very bloodless. So and then that led to Robotech, which was the next thing mm-hmm. that I saw. And it was kind of right around the same time that um, these shows were um, starting to make the rounds in America. And then I kind of just left that behind. I went into middle school and uh, I didn't really think about it much. But then once I started really getting into theater, um that was around the same time that I, I was in high school. And then right after that, in college, I was a theater major. And I got, I just totally fell back in love with anime through Cowboy Bebop and Dragon Ball Z and Toonami and Gundam Wing and all the great stuff that was out kind of in the, uh, I guess it'd be like the uh, late, 90s, late 90s, early 90s, aughts. Or, yeah. And I just, I just fell back in love with anime really hard. And uh, so, yeah, pretty much from then on, I was like uh, really excited about someday being able to uh, do some voice acting and some anime and uh, it took me a while to get there but I'm so glad I finally made it <laughs> and we'll come back to uh, Star Blazers here in just a second sure. but um, so did you know from an early age that you wanted to be an actor yeah so I did my first uh, my first sort of uh, production in kindergarten um, I was a big problem in the classroom 
Um, so I was uh, always Welcome trying to the club, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I was always trying to turn the focus of the classroom towards me uh, so that I could, you know, get attention and make people laugh and do my antics and all that stuff. Uh, but my teacher recognized that this was probably something she could redirect. So my teacher, Mrs. Jones, uh, kindergarten year, she cast me as Peter Rabbit in the play Peter Rabbit. And that was it. I was just hooked. It was amazing. I loved it. I couldn't get enough. And I did theater all through, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, um, went to, went to college, uh, to get a theater degree and then switched that over to radio, television, film. Um, uh, sort of after getting a taste of what a theater degree was, I, I decided that it wasn't quite right for me. Um, so yeah. And then, uh, I kind of always knew that this was going to be a big part of my life in some way. I didn't really know, you know, obviously exactly where it was going to, where it was going to lead, but, um, but yeah, and it's been a lot of ups and downs to get here, but I'm, I'm so glad to be able to do the stuff that I get to do. Awesome. Now, what was your first um, voice acting role? Okay, so yeah, my very first voice acting. Let's see. Um, it was probably unpaid, and it's hard to think. It was probably uh, something I did um, either my senior year of high school or my freshman or sophomore year of college okay. uh, for like a student project, something like that would have been my first sort of. And I, I in fact, I remember um, we had a class project that we did, and um, and one of the, one of the parts of it was creating a, a video, kind of like a video project. And I did a narration for part of it. And I think that was probably the first thing I did. Now the first, the first paid like professional sort of work that I did was for, uh, Funimation Studios. And that was in 2012. So it was kind of a big gap between my first role and then my first sort of professional paid role. But, and that was on a show called, uh, Level E. Uh, which was yeah, which was directed by uh, Joel McDonald, and it was kind of this uh, really funny, quirky show that was like a takeoff on Men in Black, uh, the the Men in Black movie. But um, and I, I, it was my first uh, title role, my first my first time getting paid to to voice an anime character was probably Walla, you know. So I was never credited for that, but uh, I think my first credit was on that show, and uh, I played this guy named uh, Yamada, and he was. I, at the time, I, I was like, "Wow, this is I am really, uh, I am really killing this." Like, I thought I was I was doing great, and then of course I listened back to it now, and it's like, "Ouch, that's <laughs> I've grown a lot since then," um, which is good. That's what you should be doing, right? You should be looking back on mm -hmm. older stuff and feeling like you've you've improved. So, if anybody out there wants to go listen to me, uh, try really really hard uh, to sound like a guy in a show. Like that's that's probably the one to listen to. Level E. Uh, yeah, I was I was trying to think because I remember when back when the Funimation channel was a thing. Um, yeah, I remember watching that because it came on, and I was like, "Oh snap, it's Vic in here. He's gonna yeah. be the MC." So, yeah, uh, I remember it. But yeah, so I remember the show. But now I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch to find out who Yamada <laughs> is. He was in one episode, so he was <laughs> like, "Yeah, he wasn't." There's no reason why he would really stand out in your mind at all. But oh, uh, well, now I have to go hunt for him. But here, the coolest thing though was that there was like basically it was like four, you know, four students, and these were like high school students, and they were all kind of in this episode, and they were sort of the main characters of this episode. These four students, and the four students, if I remember correctly, were me, uh, Rob McCollum, um, Dave Trosco, and I'm blanking on the fourth one. But basically, 
you know, these other guys were like very seasoned with this stuff. So I was going in the booth and listening to the stuff that they had already done and just feeling really like, wow, this is cool that I'm getting to sort of like act off of the lines of Rob McCollum right now. Uh, that was really neat. And, uh, and the good thing about Joel as a director was that he was very supportive. He also came from kind of a theater background. So, uh, he definitely understood the need to, uh, have some time to get used to acting in the booth versus sort of being up on a stage in front of people. It's very, very different. And I know that, you know, in the beginning he was having to kind of, uh, rein me in quite a bit. And, uh, but yeah, just, you know, uh, what a cool show to be my first one because I really sort of felt like it was, uh, you know, it's not like it was a sequel. It's not like it was, uh, you know, necessarily either like a, a gigantic, huge spotlight on it. So it was kind of like, I felt like whatever I did, it was going to be okay. Um, whether it was like awesome or, uh, kind of something that somebody who's pretty new to it would do. And yeah, so that was, that was level E go check it out. I'm trying to think. Were you guys the one that turned into like Power Rangers type people? No. Oh, that um, was. The, I I remember like there was a group of kids yes. in that show that turned into. Yeah. Darn. Yeah. It was like a Super Sentai squad or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And it was a really funny show. Like I loved the sense of humor of the show. Um, the episode that I was in was not funny at all. Like there was only like two maybe moments of like humor in it, and the rest of it was just like this horror episode about oh. like. Um, some there was some oh what it was I remember now okay <laughs> there was uh, spoilers for level E yeah right get ready guys <laughs> if you don't want to find out what happened in a show from 2012 please stop listening now um, yeah so there was these aliens and they um, basically had come to Earth to escape their planet or whatever but they had this thing where <clears throat> the way that they would mate was the males would devour the females uh, which that sounds crazy and, and so. But what happened was, is like you end up sort of sympathizing with this alien kid who can't stop craving eating this girl in his class. And he just looks like, like a normal person, you know, just like all, everybody else. But basically, these four students witness this alien kid, like, basically devouring this high school girl. And then they're like, what do we do? And then sort of this, the whole episode is like a story of them. Uh, I can't believe how much I remember of this. But it was kind of a big, <laughs> it's, it's stuck out in my mind because it was like my first you know, your first uh, named role is, is a big deal. It stays with you for a long time. Because prior to that, I would tell people, oh, yeah, I got to go, you know, voice this cool thing at Funimation. And they'd be like, well, what is it? And I'm like, well, you know, there's this one scene where, like, there's this guy, uh, he's screaming in the background and he gets killed. That's me, you know. <laughs> it was always. I was screaming guy number three. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a, uh, a letdown. But, um, but yeah, so that was that was cool. I really liked Level E. And uh, I doubt that show will ever get a sequel, but if it does, you know, maybe I'll get to do something with it again someday. That would be cool. Yeah, uh, since you uh, mentioned uh, Rob's in it, he's been on the show before. He's a super cool guy. So yes. now, now I've got another reason to listen to it. So we got Chris and yeah. Rob, so I'll be able to – I'll be like, I know those people. <laughs> yeah, Rob is awesome. Um, there's like a handful of people that, especially in the early days when I was kind of um, – when I was cutting my teeth at Funimation, doing a whole lot of Walla and, you know, picking up a few little bit parts here and there, there was a few people that, you know, you'd see them in the lobby and they, they, you know who they are, you know, and they've got this amazing resume of stuff that they've done, but they're just like really laid back, just normal human beings. And he's definitely one of them. Uh, he's, you know, obviously spectacular actor and, uh, but he's just like such a nice guy. So I remember that from, you know, very early on. 
being impressed with how humble that dude is. Oh, yeah, he's super cool. Okay, so kind of going back to what we talked about pre, like what you were talking about previously, how you really liked Star Blazers. What was it like when you got to do that audition? I assumed you just did a regular audition, or did you audition specifically for uh, Kodai? Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, or or is mean, it one of those cool stories where you're like, I wanted to be this guy, but then they were like, no, you're going to be the MC. No, it was it was actually a little different than that, although kind of similar. Um, so the director, Jerry Jewell, had cast me in a show uh, prior to that called Kronos Ruler. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, we were co-lead. So he had cast himself as kind of the lead, and I, was, I, was, I played his son, who was kind of the, the co-lead in the show. And it was the first time that I'd really worked... Uh, extensively with Jerry and and throughout the run of that show you know obviously being kind of a co-lead you get you get to spend a lot of time in the booth and you get to spend a lot of time you know developing some chemistry and and we did we had this great chemistry like we were just it never felt like you know we were working usually it's it's great with all the directors up there but you know um, you you sort of can fall into a really cool pattern sometimes uh, with certain directors and on certain shows or whatever. And we just had this, like we were just having fun. And, uh, so anyway, at one point, I don't know how it even came up, but we were like halfway through the run of recording it. And we got to talking about some of like the cartoons we used to love as kids. And one of the, one of the shows that came up was, was star blazers. And I was talking to him at length about star blazers and, uh, how it had been very formative for me, you know, in terms of introducing me to anime. And I was, uh, you know, having a lot of fun, like doing some of the voices of the characters in the old show and, and, you know, and so a side note, I had no idea that Funimation was, was in talks to try to acquire the show. No idea. And at that time, uh, Jerry had not been tapped to direct it either. Um, but what ended up happening out of that was, um, you know, we got very close to the end of recording Kronos Ruler and he just very casually was like, you know, I think, uh, there might be a space show that's going to be coming up next and I might have something for you. I was like, Oh, cool. You know, I mean, that's, that sounds good, you know? And, and, uh, I, I love, you know, sci-fi. I'm a huge sci-fi fan and I love anything with Mecca, you know, giant robots. That's my jam. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was like, great. And then, um, you know, so he, I get a call and, and come in and I, I see the word Yamato and I'm like, well, what is this? And he's like, oh, well, this is, uh, this is the reboot of Star Blazers. <laughs> and he was just so casual about it. So I tried to sort of mimic that, you know. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that's, that, sounds, that sounds great. You know, inside, of course, I'm just like screaming. My yeah. nine-year-old self, yeah, is so excited. Like, can't believe this is happening. So then I get in the booth, and I'm like, here I am expecting he's going to say, you know, okay, you're, uh, you know, Ensign uh, McCormick. Or, you know, it's not, that's, that's the Americanized name or whatever. I figured it'd be some supporting role since I had just done kind of a lead role for him. Uh, and sometimes directors, you know, they like to mix it up season to season and maybe not go with the same people over and over again. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of as, as yeah, the don't want the audience to kind of get burned out. Right. Yeah. You want to, you want to try to mix it up and it's, it's good for, you know, the directors and the actors to kind of, um, keep that chemistry fresh and stuff. But he was like, all right, well, uh, let's go ahead and start, you know, kind of going through this. And I'm like, okay, uh, who am I playing? He's like, well, you're going to be, um, you're going to be Kodai. <laughs> and that was, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. That was, there are a few things in life, um, 
professionally that that compare with that moment. Um, just because you know, I, I think the series meant so much to me, and uh, and then to get a chance to be involved at all is amazing. But then on top of that, to be the lead is it just my mind was just blown. And and at the same time, I had to quickly kind of recover so that I could now start like I got to bring my craft to the fore and start like really digging into the script, and we're gonna. Um, start, you know, figure out where the voice is going to be placed and, you know, all these, let's, let's do these logistics, right? Because, mm-hmm. uh, cause if I really think about it too much, I'm probably just going to wet my pants and embarrass myself here. So, um, yeah, I was just, I was just floored and so excited. And I'm so glad that, uh, Jerry and the, the studio have trusted me with this property because it's, uh, it's just so beloved, you know, in the hearts of so many people, uh, mine included. And the show itself is freaking amazing you know yeah, it's like the I, best. I i think i'm on episode 12 yeah right now um because i i saw the tweet where like it's coming like the season's coming to an end right it's got like yeah. what, like a couple episodes left yeah we've got i think uh next week actually is episode 26 so that's okay. kind of the dramatic conclusion of 2199 and then of course funimation has announced um that uh the sequel is going to be starting up uh this season as well so Sweet. I'm going to get a chance to reprise Kodai in um, Yamato 2202, which is the sequel. And uh, I think it's actually, I don't know how many episodes it is, but um, 112. <laughs> well, we're going to yeah. give you longevity. <laughs> yeah, no, this is um, this is like the coolest thing ever to be able to do this show. I mean, uh, this and uh, being able to perform as Aizawa in My Hero Academia mm-hmm. Uh, and then being able to do Miles Edgeworth in Ace Attorney. I mean, these are all like just amazing, amazing things that have happened recently, you know, just in the last year or so. So uh, it's been a really good time. Nice. So ha- have you uh, played any of like the like Ace Attorney stuff beforehand? Yes. Or in fact, familiar with- uh, okay. that was my first exposure to visual novels. So I had a Nintendo DS back in whatever it was, 2005. And, uh, and I saw uh, like an ad for the game online and I was like a video game where you play an attorney and you go to court. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds insane. Like I just, I need to see what that is. So I bought it just based on that alone. That- I didn't know anybody who had it. I didn't know anything about it beyond it just looked like, it looked like a game that I could never even imagine how that would work. Like how would you even play that game? It would definitely um, be one of those ones where it would. I would love to have been in the board meeting for that. Or like, we're going to pitch this game. Yeah. Like, yes, yeah. you are a an attorney and you like to go objection, but you only have like yeah. three of them, so you can't yeah. do it all the time. Right. Like the elevator pitch for that sounds crazy, um, but it was so much fun. Like I loved it, and I, I just really fell in love with it. So, um, and of course, my favorite character was Miles Edgeworth because. He's a badass, you know. He's just like a, he's just a straight up badass. It's funny because he's a badass, but he's a badass who constantly loses, which is interesting. Um, because prior to, you know, prior to him showing up, he has this amazing, you know, undefeated record. He's just this uh, untouchable prosecutorial star. And then as soon as you are introduced to him, he just starts getting his ass handed to him over and over and over again, uh, and never really recovers till I guess much later when he finally joins up with uh, Phoenix Wright down the road. But, um, but yeah, I was a huge fan of the game. Um, and then I, you know, I did a very sort of traditional audition for that role. Uh, Kyle put out a call to pretty much all of the actors around Funimation and some others in the area. 
And, you know, I knew pretty much right from the start that I'd be going for, uh, that I'd be going for Miles just simply because I thought my vocal range would be better suited to him, you know, than Phoenix. I thought Mm -hmm. Phoenix was a little bit higher, um, and he'd probably be casting somebody who's a little bit higher pitched. So I was going to read for them both, but I figured out my, my best shot was, was, you know, miles. And so I put most of my preparation into that and did a whole lot of recordings of myself. And, you know, kind of my, my typical strategy is if I know that I'm going to be going out for a certain character and I know kind of what the vocal range is, then I'll spend some time, um, at home and I'll just, you know, just get some hours in like recording the character, listening back, tweaking things, trying things, experimenting, uh, so that hopefully if I get to the point where I can, uh, you know, get in front of somebody and do an audition, I've got something I feel, you know, pretty comfortable with. Um, and that was the case with Kyle and, and Kyle was another one who, um, we had done a show prior to that called, um, Izetta, the last witch. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and that was another situation where I had kind of, um, it was a supporting role. It was a guy, it was a character named Sieg and he was very serious. There wasn't a lot of necessarily range with that character, but, um, but we sort of developed a little bit of a chemistry in the booth and had a lot of fun with it. And so we kind of got to know each other that way. And then I guess with, um, with the, uh, with the next show with Ace Attorney, he felt like, okay, you know, I'm going to trust this guy with this role and take a chance. Uh, I think, you know, that was kind of, I would call that like the first sort of big popularly recognized role that I got. Maybe, um, prior to that, it had been, you know, some decent roles, but not necessarily the kind of roles that, um, you know, anybody who I talked to would necessarily know right off the top of their head. Uh, but as soon as I said, Miles Edgeworth, people like, "Whoa, yeah, Miles Edgeworth. Like that was, you know, that was very well understood by most of the people that, um, that I knew. And so that was cool. And, uh, and the show's really funny. Like I really, man, it was great to be in a comedy because like, you know, prior to that I had, I had done a few comedies, but it was mostly like action shows, you know, like Shonen and, uh, lots of, lots of getting killed and shooting people and running and jumping and that stuff's really fun too. But it was so great to, to, to be in something that was just really lighthearted and uh, it was a good change for me at the time. That was, I think that was 20, was that 2017? I think so. Yeah. 2016 or 2017. I don't know. It's been a, it's been a, a really cool couple of years here where I've gotten a chance to do a lot more stuff. Sweet. Now, do you prefer doing video games over over like actual like anime or animation so, in general, or do you have like a preference? Yeah, I mean, I to this point, I haven't done all that much, you know, in the video game world. I've done a little bit here and there. Like uh, last year, I did kind of what I would consider my first maybe big role in a video game, which was for a company called Big Fish Games, and they had a game that came out in 2017 called Chimeras. Uh, chimeras. <laughs> what is the rest of the title? Chimeras, blinding love. That's what it is. And so I got to play kind of two main characters in that game, and it's like a hidden object video game. So it's um, it's also it's funny because it's also the kind of game that like uh, the some of the people that I know, um, you know, especially like some of the like uh, moms of kids that my kids like go to school with. You know, they love games like that where it's just like you're just passing some time on your uh, on your iPad or whatever playing a hidden object video game. So they're like, oh, that game. Yeah, like they totally knew Chimeras and they totally knew what I was talking about, which nice. was cool. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of like 
last year that was kind of like my my big entry into uh, and I say big I mean I haven't done anything you know huge in the video game world yet I'm still that 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 moment still hasn't come for me yet but um, you know I have faith that at some point it will and you know for now I turn in a lot of auditions and trying to kind of uh, get better at that because it is different you know I think what I do what 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 we do what we try to do with anime is is be very cinematic and um, treat that as you know like if you were in a big budget movie we try to like pretend like that's what's happening for us in these in in in, in these uh, anime shows mm-hmm. and you've got so you've got sort of like people are gonna sit down and watch a 22 minute show um, you can take time with really developing that character. You can take time with, um, you know, finding choices in different moments. Video games, it's very much like uh, they're mostly here for the game, and you know, you have to. Everything needs to pop. So it's a, it's a little bit of a different um, approach. And yeah, so I'm I'm hoping that I can uh, do more of that stuff because video games are really awesome. I'm a big fan of video games. Uh, right now, I guess mostly what I've done is is anime. Okay, so. Here's going to be a fun question. Yeah. And well, we're going to do two of them. So you get to do like any video game. So this is going to be you get free reign to do whatever you want. What is a series or genre or something that you want to do? So this is this will be your dream video game casting. Okay. My dream video game casting. Yeah, I uh I'm a huge um uh Nintendo fan. So I, you know, grew up with the 8-bit Nintendo and then the Super Nintendo and uh, and on and on and on. So I'm a big fan of that. I would love to somehow find my way into either the Super Mario franchise or the Zelda franchise. I think either one, either one would leave me thinking that um, I had surpassed my wildest dreams. <laughs> uh, that would just be incredible. So, um, and I don't know exactly uh, how how I would even... Uh, get to that point but just yeah being able to do something like that would be amazing and uh gosh um the and the other thing is like those games are so well made so it's like any any sort of like nintendo franchise game you just know you're never gonna you're never gonna have to look back on it and yeah and feel bad or embarrassed about it or feel like oh that could have been that could have been something special you know because they just make such great games um and especially on the Switch, like it's a whole. I think there's, you know, even a possibility that the Switch could go down as maybe uh, like the greatest platform of all time. You know, it's just delivering such amazing games, uh, game after game after game. So, uh, man, I'd love to work with Nintendo. That'd be so cool. We'll we'll make a call. Thank uh, you so much, Josh. I no appreciate problem. that. They'll ignore it, but we'll at least make <laughs> yeah. a call. We can make uh, the call and say we tried. Exactly. Uh, okay, so before we get on to the, the fun one where we ask you, so kind of be thinking about this, like you get to do whatever you want and like animated-wise. It could be an anime, it could be a Disney, it could be whatever, that dream okay. casting. Um, okay. Before we go into that, let's uh, kind of go uh, a little bit kind of further back. Um, so you were a big fan of anime when you were younger, like, it's yeah. like animation when you were younger. Um, yes. Then you kind of got back into it in that, Toonami era do you yeah. have a oops uh do you have a favorite um anime or cartoon or anything like that that y- like still sticks with you to this day like so yeah i um once a year i try this doesn't always happen but once a year i try to watch all of cowboy bebop again 
Nice. Um, Steve Bloom's performance as Spike Spiegel was the moment that I thought to myself, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and, and just the story of, of, you know, I didn't learn it so much later, but just the story of how he kind of came into the industry through that and was really just kind of like a normal guy, wasn't really even pursuing acting and just kind of this opportunity popped up for him and he was in the right place at the right time, but he was also just this incredible talent and you can really like I've listened, I've watched the show enough that um, I, I I feel like I'm pr- probably making this up, but I feel like I recognize the beats in the show where Steve Bloom is really coming into his own. And uh, I don't know, it's so cool. To st- I feel like that dub is just going to stand the test of time yeah. for the rest of my life. I mean, it's so freaking good. Um, and then it's you know the dub is amazing, but the the, the show itself is just so so good. Um, it still looks good. I mean, it came out yes. in 98, and it still yes. looks phenomenal. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy when you look back on it. Like, And really, that year, 1998, was an amazing year for shows. But um, but anyway, uh, that was that was the beginning for me. That was where I was like, this is like an amazing art form. This is like, you know, this is like Hollywood movie quality right here. Um, and I just love, I love science fiction. I'm a huge science fiction fan, so... It, it it scratched that itch for me at the same time that it was like this really gritty, dark, noir, you know, show. And I don't know, m- millions of people have said all the, all the same things that I would say about Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> it's just such a good show. Um, and But, you know, also Ghost in the Shell uh, was big. I, I really liked Akira. Um, mm-hmm. I watched, in fact, uh, one sort of funny story is um, I was hanging out with a bunch of my friends and somebody had rented this video from Blockbuster Video called Akira, and they rented it because it had a picture of a cool motorcycle on it. <laughs> and they thought it was going to be like some movie about like, you know, cool motorcycle dudes fighting each other in some cartoon or whatever. So that's why they had rented it. And I and think... They, they were right for the first like 10 minutes and it, then it yeah. kind of went away. <laughs> it wasn't so much about that anymore. But um, yeah, one of the things I remember from it is like there was maybe like five or six of us that were all over at somebody's house one night and we were watching this thing. And by the end of it, I was the only one left. Everybody else had either it was too weird or it just wasn't what they expected. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were, everybody else was gone except for me. They all went out to play basketball or something. And I was still just sitting in the house by myself watching Akira (laughs) because it was, uh, it was just blowing my mind. I mean, it was so cool. And so I don't know. That was always kind of me. Like I, um, I tended to gravitate towards more cerebral kind of kind of uh, stuff, and I was kind of just a big nerd in a lot of ways, and still am. Um, so that that stuff really appealed to me. I really liked. I mean, I still think the storyline of Ghost in the Shell is like some of the most amazingly futuristic stuff anybody's ever created. Uh, so many of the things from that show seem like they're entirely possible. Um, you know, in the in the coming 40, 50 years still. So um, those were those were very formative experiences for me, you know, both as just a consumer of really awesome stuff, but also as as a voice actor. Awesome. So let's just let's just go ahead and rip that Band-Aid off. Uh, yeah. No, it didn't give you a lot of time to think about it. <laughs> That's okay. But, so yeah, this this is the this is the casting where you get to do whatever you want. You it can be a remake of something. It can be something brand new. So whatever you want, what do you go for? There's two things I really want to see. And one of them, 
I don't even necessarily have to be in it. So I'll start with that one. Um, I think the world needs a really good Zelda movie. Um, yeah. And I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Would you make it a live action or an so, animated? Yes, I would. I would. And I've conceived of it for a long time, trying to think about how you do that in a way that, you know, because it's a it's a series that is so whimsical um, that it's oh, the appeal that it has is very childlike in that way. But that's not the kind of movie that I would want to see. Um, and I know it's kind of a, an overdone trope at this point to sort of take a very whimsical childlike show and make it gritty. So I wouldn't say make it gritty, but I would really like to see, um, I would really like to see a really well done, um, Zelda movie. And I wouldn't even need to necessarily be involved in that. I would just love to go to a movie theater and watch that film. Uh, the thing that I'd really like to do is I would really like to be involved in a kind of a show that, um, that got the same treatment that, that, that gives the same treatment as Star Blazers or Space Battleship Yamato. Uh, and that's a really amazing, high-dollar, modern remake of Robotech, I think okay. would, be, would be amazing. And I, I think the time might be right, too, because the folks who you know, really grew up on that show and were like kind of on the fringe into anime back then are... Uh, you know, maybe at the, at the point in, in their lives where they aren't so much interested in, in that kind of stuff anymore. Uh, but I do think there's a group of people that were kind of in my age group that maybe were a little too young or, or, or sorry, reverse of that, maybe a little too, um, uh, right. I guess what I'm trying to say, like right in the sweet spot for when those first came out that whatever they came, whatever they produced wouldn't have to necessarily stay 100% faithful to the sort of the, the art style or, or those things. I think you could, you could modernize it in a way that would appeal to a modern audience while still maintaining what made the series so amazing in the first place, which was uh, the great battles, uh, the really cool character designs and, and, uh, and all the machinery designs, uh, the Veritech designs. But then also, like, the, Robotech is a really sad, sad show. Um, which I didn't really pick up on until I watched it, you know, years later when I was a little bit older. Um, that was another one that suddenly showed up at Blockbuster, and I quickly, you know, rented all the videos and watched mm -hmm. them one weekend. But, um, but yeah, it's it's a really sad show about war, and uh, it doesn't it doesn't reveal itself as that right away. But that's really what's going on in Robotech, and uh, I would love to see a really awesome remake of Robotech, um, and I would love to be involved in that somehow. Because I'm trying to think, it was like they only had the one series, and then they just did like movies after that, right? Yeah, they, there was, there was like Southern, and the way it was presented in the U.S. was like such a hodgepodge, which is true of pretty much all these shows. You know, back in the '80s, early mm -hmm. '90s, they would take multiple different series and kind of stitch them all together and call them the same thing. They did the same thing with Voltron. Um, they stitched together, you know, two different shows into two different seasons, um, and so yeah, that. I guess the original version is, you know, very, very different from what a lot of the, my peers would have been exposed to at that time. But that said, I think you could, I think you could produce something in a, either another series or even just like, you know, a movie, uh, that would, that would be really amazing and introduce it to it. Like there's so many people, you know, that are younger than me, um, that just don't have any idea what it is. They've heard the name maybe. 
And then it's pretty inaccessible. If you go back and look at some of the animation, especially, you know, that late 70s, early 80s animation, it just looks very dated. And part of it's yeah. just because the technology has changed so much, you know, now. And we're talking about film that's like 40 years old or whatever. It just doesn't look very good. It's aged pretty badly in some ways. So, I mean, it has that sort of nostalgic feel for, for those that were around for it. But for a new audience, that's probably not going to play too well. So... Yeah, I've, uh, I've, I know that it's on, like, if you've got Prime, I know it's one of the ones that's, like, streaming on Prime. So yeah. So I watched maybe, like, six episodes, and then I couldn't anymore. Um, yeah. Just because yeah. I was like, oh, man, this, they, this needs to be, you know, redone. Yes, it's begging for it. I mean, it's begging for some kind of... Uh, I think there's there's a level of licensing hell that it's in. I don't I don't know all the details on that. But as far as, like, North American releases, I know that there's been a lot of licensing issues in the past. Um, and so I, maybe that kind of plagues it to this day. I really don't know, but, you know, seeing what was done with star blazers gives me hope that, you know, maybe somewhere down the, somewhere down the line, we could actually see something like that. Um, you know, and then as far as like crazy dreams again, that I, that I would just love to be involved in would be like a a Pixar film. Um, I think Pixar, you know, still makes just really, really awesome movies. Um, and I would love to be involved in a Pixar film someday. Um, You know, it's good to have dreams. <laughs> you got to have dreams in life. Oh, definitely. So, uh, a lot of a lot of sci-fi in your background. Oh yeah. So yeah, sci-fi is sci-fi is my jam. I love sci-fi. So, what's your favorite sci-fi? Whatever. Um, like, I mean, I, think... I, I'm I myself. I'm a huge Trekkie. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't. I have no problem with Star Trek whatsoever. I grew up watching. Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, so I'm a big fan of that. Um, and I never really uh, went back and watched the original series. Um, I it's have seen kind of hard. Well, and I've seen some of it. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of one of those, like, if it's late at night and there's reruns on, then I'm, yeah. I've seen it, you know, a couple times or whatever. But, like, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation was amazing in terms of the writing and the execution, uh, the acting. You know, Captain Picard was, like, kind of how I feel like I... Uh, took learning a British accent seriously when I was a kid. Um, and uh, I don't know. There was a lot of moments in that show that I really felt like, you know, I guess uh, here's what I would say about sci-fi. Like, really, really good sci-fi is not about the future. It's about right now. Yeah. Uh, but it's all kind of dressed up in, you know, the in fantastical future uh, situations. But there was a lot of stuff in... Uh, I haven't gone back and watched the whole catalog again, but there was so much stuff in the next generation that I felt like was so relevant to what was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that was, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a huge star Wars fan as well. Um, I don't, I'm not somebody who feels like you have to only limit your love to one or the other. Like right? I love them both. Yeah, I hate those people. <laughs> I say that, but one of our, our, like one of my good friends, Liam DeCosmo, who's on one of our sister podcast conveniently uh-huh. called you may guess that it may be a star wars podcast it's called cloud city cast so uh, yeah he's huge nice. star wars fan uh they lost a bet to us once so we made them watch like a couple episodes of star trek and they poo-pooed all over it so <laughs> that was that was a fun time yeah, yeah to me, he, it's he's, like... he's in that mindset of you can only like one like ah, star crazy. trek people can be over there and star wars people can be over here and i'm like i like both there's good things about both. They're two totally different takes on what the future could be. Yeah. You know, it's like the difference between 1984 and Brave New World. Like, they're both really great novels that depict what the future could be, and there's no reason to prefer one over the other. Um, 
you know, and I'm I uh, I don't know. I guess Star Wars for me is uh, is about like really memorable performances. Oh, and yeah, definitely. For me, Star Trek is about really memorable like world building and ideas. You know, Star Trek for me is about like a really cool show about ideas, um, but that I really dig because I'm all about ideas. Um, but yeah, I guess I, I'm a big reader, and I, I always was. Um, and that's sort of one of the things I tell people, like I'll go to conventions and stuff or I'll, I'll meet fans and I'll get a question like, you know, what should I do if I want to, um, if I want to be a voice actor, if I want to perform and my answer is read. Um, because I think what you do as a reader is you're sort of building an imaginary world in your mind and it's being guided by the author of the book or whatever you're reading, the comic book, Mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, but that, that helps you, uh, sort of build that, that internal imagination muscle, whatever it is, I don't know what it is, but, um, you know, I credit a lot of my love of acting to my love of reading. Um, and so to that end, like I, I really was a fan of Isaac Asimov as a kid. Um, I really liked, uh, Neuromancer by William Gibson is like one of my favorite books of all time. I was really into, you know, cyberpunk and that whole sort of aesthetic back then. Um, gosh, there's lots of, you know, really good sci-fi. I still read, uh, to this day. And in fact, um, I just started rereading, uh, a graphic novel series that I really love called saga. I don't know if, um, if you've read that or not, but if you haven't and you like sci-fi, you should definitely check it out. Cause it's, it's amazing. For whatever reason you said saga and I, I went Sandman and I'm like, no, that's not, it. that's, that's <laughs> I do love Sandman. Yeah. Neil Gaiman is great. And I love Sandman. Uh, that's yeah. In fact, I was talking to, um, the director uh, of My Hero Academia, Colleen Klinkenbeard, just this last week. And we were talking, she's a big reader too. So we were talking about, you know, different stuff. And I told her about uh, rereading Back Through Saga. And uh, she's a big Neil Gaiman fan, but she has not dug into um, the Sandman series yet. And I was kind of like, you got to get on that. <laughs> That's not, you don't want to sleep on that. You got to get on that. Uh, yeah, see, I, I think where uh, I differed, because like, I'm a big reader too, I went more of the fantasy instead of the sci-fi. Like, I would watch the sci-fi, but then I would read the fantasy. I love fantasy too. What's your, what, what's your jam right now? Uh, well, right now I'm rereading uh, the Rift War Saga from Raymond E. Feist. Nice, so okay. So I'm in that, um, I'm patiently waiting for Game of Thrones, which will never ever come out again. Um <laughs> I read like all of Brent Weeks's stuff, Ari Salvatore. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm really big into um, C. Robert Cargill, who used to like lived lived in Austin, did a bunch of stuff for I think may have been like Ain't It Cool for a while. Yeah, and then he moved over, and then he became a director. Like he, I think he did the screenplay for Insidious. Okay. Yeah. Okay. uh, That rings a bell. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. And he's got two really good novels where he delves more into like mythology, like almost like demon and like monster mythology. It's okay. I I listened to a podcast with him and he described it as he took a lot of stuff from Neil Gaiman Mm -hmm. and put it in this movie. Like Neil Gaiman is one of his like muses. Awesome. So like he's got I, a bunch I, I of I can tell I would like that. and stuff. Oh yeah, it's it's super yeah. cool. Uh, so I, I can tell you also like what my next sort of uh, foray into fantasy is going to be, because it's been sold to me with the highest possible level of accolades, and that is uh, the Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson. Oh yeah, 
which I've been basically told by people, you know, whose opinions I, I respect that it's maybe the best fantasy they've ever read, you know, and that like even better than uh, Tolkien, even better than, you know. Uh, so I got to I got to try that out because, man, if it's that good, I'm really missing out. Yeah, I've man, it's it's one of those things where uh, I've started at work because I'm there pretty much all of my life now. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of audiobooks, but yeah. it's weird because it's all audiobooks that I've already read. So I'm just okay. listening um, to other people <laughs> read them back to me. Like, I don't think I have a single audiobook in my Audible stuff that I haven't read before. So yeah. I've just repurchased it. So I'm just <laughs> yeah. getting it back again. Yeah, that's good, though, because you get a different you do get a different sort of feel from it. Like I, one of one of my favorite books is uh, of all time is a book called The War of Art. And it's a story of this guy who's uh, it's a it's a true story. And it's a story of a guy who's a screenwriter in Hollywood. And then he's also the author of the book uh, Bagger Vance. Okay. Um, and then I guess oh, he did the, the yeah Legend of Bagger Vance, and he did the the screenplay adaptation as well. So he's this uh, you know he's this writer who's been who's dealt with writing his whole life, and the whole book is just basically about like how to overcome resistance, um, but it's told through kind of his own his own journey. So anyway, I've read okay. that book, and it's a short read. So I've read that book I don't know three or four times. Um, another one that I try to just pull out every year and read it if I can. But then. I figured out that there's a really, really good audiobook version of it. So, and it's a different feel, you know, when you uh, when you're listening to it versus when you're reading it. Um, yeah. I think because my attention is different, and so I'll pick things out of it that I wouldn't necessarily have picked out if I was reading through it. Um, and so it's a nice way to kind of re-experience something in a different way, and you you get more out of it, or you get different things out of it, I guess. Had you have you thought about maybe going into like the audiobook type realm? Yes, I have. Um, and I, it's it's also one of those things that I really want to uh, exp- I really want to dig into in in the coming you know year. Um, I've I've started taking steps towards creating an audiobook uh, demo. That's really one of the first things that you need to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so working on that. I just finished up my uh, my first commercial demo. So I'm, oh, I'm nice. also trying to get more involved with like kind of commercial voiceover work uh, and just kind of expand, you know, and and get out there and get more opportunities and keep growing as I can and keep learning. But yeah, I love audiobooks, man. I, I especially love the, um, the aspect of being able to multitask a little bit is nice. Yeah. Uh, cause you know, life gets busy, but if you're driving in the car and just sitting there in traffic, it's so cool to just be able to put on an audiobook and enjoy that instead of, you know, just sitting there bored or listening to the same album you've heard a hundred times before, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, cause yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you doing demos. I just finished my character demo and so I finally got that back. So it's congratulations. Uh, thank you. And it, it, I, I gotta give a huge shout out to, uh, uh, Amberly Connors at Sound Cadence. She's yes. fantastic. Absolutely. She's awesome. love her. She was probably the nicest person I could have gotten to sit there and walk me through all this. Yeah, she is amazing. Um, and she's, you know, there's a few, there's a handful of people that I've met in the last couple years that really stand out to me as people that um, uh, just have their, just have their stuff together. You know, like she's one that kind of right away, you just get the sense that like, wow, she has really got her scene figured out, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. It's good to be around people like that because it, it kind of kicks your own butt and like, oh, wow, I, I really need to get my, get more of my own stuff together here. Yeah, but like, uh, 
that, that that was like one of the main reasons that I started this show was because like it got to the point where um like there was personal stuff back in like after high school into college mm-hmm. and so it would just kind of blew up for me but then I got to the point where I was like you know what I'm really not doing anything with my life and I still want to be what I wanted to be when I was younger yeah so that's when I started doing this podcast I'm like okay I'm gonna you know get used to talking more yeah start honing these abilities a little bit more yes. and then kind of go up through there so it's like I'm gonna talk to industry professionals we're gonna make some friends that way we'll get yeah. we'll talk to people we'll see how it goes and then now, basically, almost a year and a half later, um, finally got up that courage to go in and do it. So, yeah, like, f- for me, that's something that I can't stress, like, get the courage out there. Like, mm-hmm. you, like just do it, because it's, it's a Nike commercial. That's all life is. It's just one big Nike commercial. You just got to <laughs> just do it. Yeah. Um, do you have so any true. good advice for anybody like aspiring actors like someone who's trying to write a book anything like yeah. that, any good words of wisdom i mean i can tell you what's worked for me so um i am a dad i have three kids um i have a wife uh, i have you know a mortgage and i have like uh, all these other well, things you said in my really life good things there and then you're like mortgage <laughs> yeah well yeah, I mean it, the the thing that comes with the mortgage is nice uh, when it's you know a, a thunderstorm outside, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so all all that means is like there are, but okay, so let me back up. So these are those are the things I have in my life right now. Um, you know, fifteen years ago or whatever, I didn't have those things in my life, and I still found a way to let twenty four hours go by and get nothing done mm-hmm. on a regular basis. And I, I had what I thought at the time were these amazing ironclad reasons why I couldn't do, you know, whatever it was that I felt like I needed to get done that day or whatever it was that I was really wanting to, you know, be doing. Um, so I think since that time to now, it's even more apparent to me all the time because I have exponentially less time now than I had back then. But it's just so apparent to me that you're never going to have time. It's never going to be there. So it doesn't matter how much free time you have on paper. You're going to find ways to not have enough time. That excuse will always be there. So the only thing that I've been able to do that helps me kind of overcome that on any kind of regular basis is to just take uh, little steps forward every single day. So um, every day I have some little goal to just move it forward like uh, an inch Uh if I can go to bed at the end of the night and I've moved forward one inch, that's a successful day for me. Uh, I don't have any expectations beyond that in my life uh, for, for voice acting or for my, my voice acting career. Now, there are lots of days where I move forward way more than an inch. But there are no days that go by that I do not move forward an inch. And so I've been, I guess, voice acting professionally now for six years. And, you know... I've paid a lot of dues in that time, I've, but I've also like learned a whole lot along the way. There's probably faster ways to get where I've gotten. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they are, but there's probably <laughs> fast, there's probably faster ways. If you would have told me like uh, you know three or four years ago what those ways are, I probably would have been like, "Awesome, I'll do that," because <laughs> this is really hard and just trying to consistently improve every single day really sucks. Because uh, there's some days you just don't want to do that at all. 
but um yeah i mean i i took classes i read books uh i recorded myself uh constantly every single day i recorded myself even if it was just you know on my phone um and you know there again if i'm uh if i've got a little bit of time in my car and I've got some idea for a character and I just want to play around with it. I, I did it every day. Um, and that's a sucky answer, you know, because it'd be great if there was like a different answer, like you just go do this thing, you know, but, and maybe that answer's out there. I just don't know what it is. All I can tell you is uh, the only way I've been able to, to do this with any kind of consistency is just like try to move forward one inch every single day. That's, that's really good advice. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that this the name of this episode will be. It's actually, <laughs> and I think it's, it's I also long. think that <laughs> I also think that like uh, you know there's something to be said for uh, I I still talk to people you know especially online that are like uh, you know ever since I ever since I got the role of Eraserhead in My Hero Academia mm-hmm. there have been people and this never happened before this but there have been people that will reach out to me and be like you know where did you come from I mean you just got this role and you didn't, you know, you weren't really anybody before this. And now suddenly you've got this role. Uh, but I, I don't look at it that way at all. Like I, I look at it like every day I was just the same person, but I was just moving forward an inch every day. And then one day I moved an inch forward and that inch was being able to get cast as a racer head. Um, which by the way, the story of that <clears throat> is pretty interesting from the perspective of like setting expectations and trying to achieve them. There was, a conversation that I had with another voice actor and it was like in 2016. And at that time I really hadn't even met Colleen Clinkenbeard. Uh, mm-hmm. We had, we had talked before, but I'd never been in any shows for her really. So um, I, you know, for, I mostly just felt like uh, she didn't really know I existed and I figured, you know, some, some way down the road I would get a chance for an audition or whatever. But I was having a conversation with someone and I was like, God, I've got to figure out a way you know, to, um, to try to meet her and like, try to figure out a way to, uh, you know, have a conversation with her because I knew that, uh, that, you know, she's a, she's a producer of Funimation. Mm -hmm. She's, you know, an amazing director. She's an amazing actor. And and she was somebody that I wanted to kind of get to know who she was. Uh, and nothing ever really came of that except for the fact that when I did finally get a chance to meet her, um, I had that conversation sort of at the forefront of my mind and I was like, you know, I had a conversation with somebody, with this person, you know, like months ago uh, about how I had never, you and I have passed each other in the hallways a hundred times, but I'd never really like introduced myself to you. And, um, and it turned out that the person that I had been talking to originally had months later sort of mentioned me to Colleen in passing. Hmm. And then Colleen had talked to, I believe, I believe Cliff about me when it turned out that this uh, opportunity was going to come open and I had done some work with Cliff before and Cliff was like, yeah, you know, uh, Chris, Chris might be a really good, you know, fit for that. Uh, and so I, you know, that, that reinforces for me, like there's, there was no, there was no path to getting where, where I got with that. It was just kind of, you can look at it from the perspective of like luck or just chance or happenstance. But I also kind of feel like, you know, if you're, if, if you have a goal or if you have a thing you want to achieve, like talk about it, talk about it with people. Maybe that could be the inch that you step forward that day. You know, uh, don't just limit it to, 
you know, these things that you're going to do to improve your craft because so much of like kind of what you said previously, like so much of what you're going to achieve, you're going to achieve in collaboration with others. It's not going to be, it's not going to be done on your own. So you're going to have to figure out ways to, you're going to have to figure out ways to get to know people and, and meet people who are doing the things that you want to do. And, you know, I think it's awesome what you're doing with this podcast because that's absolutely a very like authentic and genuine way to do that. Like the wrong way to do it is to, <laughs> is to uh, try to take shortcuts, right? That's, yeah. you don't want to go to a convention and corner your favorite voice actor and, you know, jokingly tell them that you're not going to let them leave till, you know, they give you the secret for how to be a voice actor. Uh, right. I mean, that's, there are no shortcuts. You just have yeah. to, um, and, and there's not necessarily going to be like a moment either. Like even when I did the audition for a racer head, I totally did not think I got it at all. I mean, I, she was doing a voice match for Alex Oregon. And so I, I was not the only actor that she had brought in, but I, I was somewhere in that pile of people that had already read. Uh, and I didn't think I, I didn't think I got it, you know? And so I, but I was able to walk away from that and, kind of just be like okay well if i if i get it great but if i don't you know it's not the end of the world i still feel like i'm you know taking steps forward just even the fact that i was able to come in and do this audition when not that long ago we didn't even know each other like i didn't yeah. even know colleen at all so um you know i think uh and then obviously getting the role was like incredible um i love voicing eraser head he's in some ways i feel like he is like my truest self in the sense that all he really wants to do is just kind of like roll up in a sleeping bag and sleep. Yeah. And he's, you know, those he's, are always uh, the best characters too. Like Shikamaru and Naruto's like, no, I'm just too yes. lazy. I can't do this, man. Yeah. Those are yeah. the best characters. And he's like a, he's a total badass, but he's just, he just can't be bothered. And, uh, I love that. He's so, it's so fun to play that character. The first, uh, so I started in season two and, um, you know, after Alex, uh, departed for various reasons, but, um, but yeah, so, you know, taking over that role in season two was like, I was so excited about being that character that every time I got in the booth, Colleen would really have to reel me back in. Like, okay, remember, he's really cool. Like this, nothing about what's what's happening here is affecting him at all. So she really had to beat that into me for like the first, I don't know, three or four episodes because as soon as Eraserhead would be in some kind of scene where I would get to, you know, quote unquote, take him out for a test drive and really kind of stretch in the role a little bit. She'd be like, okay, that's good, but you got to calm that down. <laughs> Cause he, remember none of this matters to him. He just wants to be asleep right now. He doesn't, he doesn't give a damn about, you know, what's really going on here. So that was a bit of an adjustment. Um, but, but mostly due in part to, to the fact that I was just on cloud nine, like every time I got to get <laughs> in the booth and, and do that character, it's such a great show. Um, I really am hopeful that, you know, season three is going to deliver on everybody's expectations. I think so far so good. Yeah. Um, and hopefully it just keeps on being a really great show. I completely agree with you. Chris, this was super fun. We're going to have to have you on again to, and we can talk more in length about stuff. Yeah, I would love to. It's really, um, I, I like the fact that we got to have kind of a far ranging discussion. I think when I've done some of these talks in the past, it's like just about anime. So it was fun to talk about, you know, books and writing and all kinds of stuff with you, Josh. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Uh, now, that being said, um, we're doing Cowboy Bebop for episode 100. You want to be on for that? Oh, my gosh. Because <laughs> I mean, we, we started the podcast with um, the movie. That yeah. was that was episode one. 
So yeah. I was thinking, I, I was getting with like some of my old co-hosts and everything since this is episode 100. Yeah. Um, and it happens, it's our, it'll be the last Monday in May, because uh, in May we're doing our whole anime series where we're doing uh, interviews and just anime films and all I kinds like of stuff. So I, like I thought it works out perfectly that episode 100 is an anime yeah. So it's like, well, why don't for episode 100, why don't we just do Cowboy Bebop the series? That's brilliant. Um, please have me back. I would love to. Uh, the problem is you probably have to shut me up because I'll talk the entire hour. So <laughs> hey, just, uh, yeah. we're, we're going to probably have Liam from Cloud City on. And yeah. those are our longest episodes that we ever do or yeah. whenever we do anything with them. So don't worry about it. I think our longest one was like two hours. So, okay. <laughs> I mean, we can do a three hour podcast. No one cares. Uh, let's do it, man. We'll just, we'll uh, just go on. <laughs> yeah, I love talking about Cowboy Bebop. That show's amazing. All right, that yeah, we'll we'll make that happen. So, Chris, real quick, where can everybody find you on the social uh, medias? Yeah, so I'm on um I'm on Twitter uh, at Chris Waycamp. Uh, and just tonight there was the cast announcement for Steins Gate Zero. Oh yeah, and, I uh, saw that. Congrats on that, by the way. Yeah, thank you very much. That's another man. That's another just mind blowing show to get to be a part of because God, it's such a good show. But um, but yeah, so I'm on there. Um, and that's probably the best place to find me. I'm trying to convince myself to do something with Instagram, but I just I haven't been able to make that happen yet. But we'll see. For I now, say, it's I, I say definitely pop an Instagram just because. I think it's a little bit easier to interact with the community on Instagram. Oh, really? Like, okay. yeah, like it's it's a That's little a bit harder point, on actually. on Twitter just because there's so much stuff on Twitter. But True. Instagram, it's it's a little bit easier, like in okay. my opinion. I need to investigate it a little bit more. A lot of my peers uh, and friends and stuff have over the last month or so started migrating hardcore to Instagram. So I'm like, ah, I'm feeling the peer pressure. I got to figure it out. <laughs> And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh L. Kane. You can find the podcast on Instagram at Animation Station Podcast, on Twitter at Animate Podcast, on Facebook and Tumblr at Animation Station Podcast. You can also find all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and on our website, AnimationStationPodcast.com. Oh, uh, one more thing, Chris. I forgot to say this. Do you have anything upcoming that you want to plug? <laughs> Completely uh, I mean, whiffed on that earlier. No, that's cool, man. Um episode one of steins gate zero drops on monday so oh, if sweet. you guys it's are out? Oh, yeah it's coming on monday so uh if you guys are um already subscribed to funimation now the dub episode one of the dub comes out on monday i cannot wait when i when i recorded my part for episode one uh the the rest of the cast some of the rest of the cast had not had not recorded their parts yet so um i am i'm so excited to hear uh, the return of all these great, especially uh, Tatum in the lead oh, role. Yeah. He's just, I feel like this is the part like he was born for. Yeah, it's, and his, it's his part. My God. Every time I hear it, it's just, it's so good. So that's Monday, uh, April 30th. Guys, check it out. And then you've got uh, the bed and breakfast for the spirits, right? Doesn't that? That's every, every Thursday. Oh. Yeah. Episode two came out on Thursday. Episode three comes out um, this coming Thursday. And this is kind of my first romantic lead, at least in an anime. So, I'm really having fun with that. Uh, me and Emily Neves. Uh, it's being co-directed by uh, uh, Tia Ballard and Jade. And so this is really fun. I'm getting a chance to kind of stretch a little bit into a romantic lead, and it's it's really fun. So check oh, that out, Jade, too. Oh, uh, Jade's directing it? Yeah, Jade's Another directing it. Another friend yeah. of the show, Jade Sexton. Awesome. So. Awesome. <laughs> 
All yeah, right. so check that out too. All right, Chris. Yeah, this is this was super fun. Yeah, we'll we'll I'll get in touch with the uh, for the Cowboy Bebop episode. We'll make that happen. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, Josh. I appreciate coming on. Uh, no problem. So for the Animation Station podcast, I'm Josh. And I'm Chris. Bye, everybody.